Hi, I'm Zev, and this is episode 6 of the Father and Son Finances Podcast. This episode is all about becoming an automatic millionaire. Hi, I'm Morris, Zev's father. And there was a book written in 2003 by an author called David Bach called Automatic Millionaire. And we're going to just highlight some of the the, the ideas that he had in that book, uh, what, but doing it in our own in our own way and talking about savings. So Zev, now that we've got a budget and we've got a good plan on how we're going to start saving money, now we need to think about how do we start investing our money smartly. And really, this book or title "Automatic Millionaire" had one simple kind of idea. And it really came down to pay yourself first or, or another way of thinking about it is, is make it simple, make it automatic, um, you know, automation around what you're doing with your savings. So how would you think about um, you've got your salary, it's coming in, you're paying your bills, you're now left with some savings. How would you think about how do you pay yourself first? Well, once you've got your savings, you can put it into a bank account and then for the next few months you can calculate uh, how much your salary is, you can figure out how many bills you need to pay and then you can get the leftovers or the savings and then put that in a bank account to save. Yeah, so I think that's the key. You really want to separate that money that you're saving for for the long term um, away from just your, your, your everyday money because you don't want to actually spend it before you've um, actually saved it. So we've got a budget, but you actually want to try to stick to the budget, stick to your savings. And the, the pay yourself first kind of logic is to say, before I spend it, let me actually take it out of my normal bank accounts and stick it into its own separate account. Even before maybe I've paid all my expenses. And I think, you know, you can do that a number of different ways through just transferring your money at the beginning of each month or doing stop orders. Uh, where the bank automatically does it for you, or you could have investment uh, unit trust type investments. A lot of people have retirement annuities, but on top of just retirement annuities, you actually get a piece of money getting paid every month out of your account towards savings and, and investing. Um, and the key with this uh, is to make it as simple and automated as possible. So it almost happens without you even knowing it. So you're not thinking about it, you're not having to say, oh, how much should I save this month? Then work out exactly how much it was and transfer it into a separate account. And then have to think about what exactly am I going to buy? Am I going to buy Apple stock or am I buying uh, Microsoft stock, uh, Tesla shares? Rather, you want to make it a simple thing that just does itself automatically and, and keeping it simple. So every month, you know, money gets transferred out of your account into your stockbroking account and you, your broker just buys you the index straight away, or you buy unit trust, or you stick it into a, a fixed income deposit. And we'll talk about investments, a whole separate idea on, on where you should invest your money. But what you want to do is have that plan and then stick to it. And sticking to it is, is all about automation and keeping it simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. You, don't have to, you shouldn't have to be thinking about it. You shouldn't have to be doing five hours of work every Sunday to get your finances right. You should be... Uh, waking up, you know, maybe once in a while and just checking that everything's working. And every few months, you just say, okay, is, is it all working okay? But if even if you didn't, if you woke up once a year, it still would be working because it just keeps on ticking along. So you keep on automatically saving, keeping it simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. This is the way you've got to pay yourself first. And it's all about automation. Now, why is putting your money away every month consistently disciplined 
so powerful. Because over the years you can compound into more things and then later when you're older, that's a little bit of money that you put in every single month. It's compounded into this huge amount of money that you can use for retiring. Yeah. So, I mean, we, you can use that money for whatever you want, um, but certainly we start thinking in terms of long-term strat- uh, objectives like retirement, or even if you don't want to ever retire, but really long-term wealth creation over generations. A hundred rand today isn't worth much tomorrow, but it's worth a huge amount in 20 years' time, in 30 years' time, in 90 years' time. And um, there's an interesting book that's come out called The Psychology of Money, and it gives a great example of that he talks to about Warren Buffett. Uh, Warren Buffett was able to compound returns at 20% a year for for much of his life um, because he's really started investing at your age. At around age 10, he was doing um, you know a newspaper run and starting to save money and starting to think about savings and investing, and thinking about shares because uh, his father was a, a stockbroker, and and he's 90 years old, so he had actually been investing for close on 80 years and that power of company is hugely powerful so Warren Buffett's worth at the time of the book was about 85 billion but probably today is well over 100 billion dollars okay so he's one of the wealthiest people um, in the world top call it five wealthiest people in the world um, and he is a very famous investor and, and to be honest at a 20% compound annual return is a very investment a very uh, impressive return even if you just bought the index, you would have got 11% over the same period. So you still would have done phenomenally well. Um, and there are definitely investors out there that have been investing for short periods, but done even more amazing investments. Some hedge fund managers are worth a few billion dollars, but not nearly as wealthy as, as Warren Buffett because they've only been doing it for 20 or 30 years and they haven't been doing it for call it 80 years that he's done it. Now, Zeb, what do you think? And it's just a guess because it's, it's a very hard number to guess would be his wealth if he started investing not at age 10, but only at age 30, when most adults start to invest, and stopped investing at age 65 when most people, adults, retire. So really only invested for 35 years as opposed to being invested for 80 years, from 10 to 90. So from years 10, his wealth from you know age 10 to age 90, let's call it 85 billion. How much would it be worth if he only started at 30 and stopped at 65? How, how much do you think he'd be worth today? Maybe about a few million. I mean, I think that's quite correct. I mean, that's how powerful. He's worth billions of dollars, and, and it would be worth about $12 million today on the same kind of returns. And I think their numbers starting starting because I mean, 99% of his wealth was created not during your normal working career, it was actually done either before most people start to save and invest as a youngster or done after retirement. You know, in fact, if we're honest, Warren Buffett would be a very wealthy person. $12 million is you could live your whole, you know, a very wonderful life with $12 million. But no one would really know who he is because he wouldn't be worth the $85 billion that he's worth today. You wouldn't know who Warren Buffett is if he stopped investing when he retired at age 65. And that's a... A crazy thought because what it's saying to you is compounding is so powerful and the way to make compounding powerful is you don't have to be a genius. You don't have to have the best investment ideas. And we're going to discuss investment ideas in these podcasts and where you should maybe put your money and think about it. But even if you did nothing more 
then save consistently with discipline over multiple decades each month and just bought the index, you would be extremely wealthy over time. And, and if you didn't have to spend that money when you retired, but you, you, know, you let it compound off retirement, then that wealth would be even more powerful and the wealth generation that you can create with that is amazing. So, you know, when we talk about people that are wealthy over multiple generations, it, you know, it's really their power of compounding that did it for them more than anything else. And, and the sad thing is you can see generational wealth sometimes disappear very quickly because if you reverse the compounding, you start eating into capital quickly, more quickly than you generating wealth, you can quickly destroy wealth just as quickly. When I say quickly, over time, over decades, you slowly uh, find that wealth can be destroyed. So being an automatic millionaire is actually quite an easy thing to become a millionaire. All you have to do is be consistently saving every single month, not thinking about it. It just automatically goes into the markets, generates a bit of a return. Don't worry about the ups and downs in the market. And, and what you will do is generate wealth. So I think another question, if you looked at the S&P 500, and this comes from the book uh, Psychology of Money, because I thought this was just a really interesting stat. If you, if you look at the S&P 500 since the 1950s, it generates 11% return over that period of time. And you know how many times during that period of time do you think that the, the S&P 500 has been 5% less than its all-time high? So it went up, then it goes down more than 5%, then it would be under its all-time high, then it would maybe do nothing, and then maybe it goes up again, now it makes a new all-time high, and then it goes sideways for a bit, maybe then goes down, and then it's less than 5% of its all-time high, then goes up again. And over that period of, you know, call it uh, 70 years, it's uh, generally 11% returns. It's unbelievable. I mean, the compounding effect is, is humongous. What percentage of time do you think you'd be spending with your money being lower than the previous all-time high by more than 5%. Well, Dad, I think for about majority of the time. Yeah, so I think, you know, when you, you would think that maybe a property, a company that's going, or the index that's going up, making all-time highs, is doing this often. But when you're looking at long, long periods of time, you know, often uh, an index will go make a new all-time high and kind of come back down a bit, stick around and do not much, and actually doesn't make... It might be sticking around below its 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 all-time high by more than five percent for the majority of the time, and in fact the numbers are around ninety to ninety-five percent. So it's more than just a majority. It's like most of the time you could look back at this at an index and say, oh, if I only had left, I'd got out of the index, you know, last month, yesterday, two years ago, I would have bet more money than I have today. Um, and I think a lot of people get caught up in that kind of psychology of saying. Oh, the market's making new all-time highs. I'm going to want to buy in. I'm going to make all these profits. And it comes back down to that kind of get-rich-quick schemes as opposed to get-rich-over-time schemes, which we're, what we're looking for. And the automatic millionaire approach is really say, I'm consistently buying. I'm going to be buying when the market's up. I'm going to be buying when it's down. I'm going to be buying all the time. And, and in fact, you actually want to buy it when it's down. But even if you do buy it when it's high, um, you will find that over time, you're getting the generation of that, that, that return and you're not getting out of the market and in the market and having to be so complicated and have this amazing strategy to get your 11% return compounded. You could have just sat in the market the whole time, just consistently just invested every month a little bit, little bit, little bit, and you would have actually generated a huge amount of wealth over that period of time as opposed to people trying to time it, get in and out. And emotionally, 
you don't have to spend any effort. You can you know, spend time with your family, uh, go swimming, go to the beach, uh, do a whole bunch of things whilst your money is working for you as opposed to you working for your money. And I think that's when you start understanding and call it passive in income because we're talking about a rich dad, poor dad and passive assets. Um, and when your wealth is sitting in the markets generating returns for you passively, you don't have to do anything, well, then that's passive income. If you're busy a day trader and every day you're having to buy shares and sell shares and you're spending eight hours in front of a screen, well, actually, that's your job. That's not passive income. That's your job. And, and you're working really hard. Um, so, you know, the automatic millionaire approach is really to say, save. Pay yourself first so that you don't pay other people before you save. Don't let other distractions get in your way. Make it automatic because you, you want your money to, to, to build wealth automatically for you. It's got to be simple. It can't be complicated. And then you really gain the benefits of compounding over time. Then the key is small things can make a big difference because that's the power of compounding. A little bit of a lever when you're 10 years old has a huge impact when you're 80 years old. You know, it's, it's funny, but, you know, the wealth that, that someone like Warren Buffett would have generated you think, oh, he only made a few thousand dollars when he was a small kid. Because he was able to invest that thousand dollars for 80 years, it compounded into, into unbelievable wealth. And it, it, it's really where the huge wealth is happening. Whereas a thousand dollars when you're 30 years old is, is fractional, fractional of what a thousand dollars at 10 years old is. So small things matter when you start talking about compounding. And that's where, I mean, in the book, Automatic Millionaire, he talks about the, the coffee uh, conundrum where people, you know, you didn't spend a cup of money, you know, a dollar every day on a cup of coffee, you'd save $30, then you would save, um, you know, ex, you know, uh, what's it, six, $700 on, on coffee a, a year, and wow, you're saving a lot of money. I personally, I understand that logic. I don't need to, I don't necessarily buy into that. I think there's a lot of criticism around or the coffee logic, because I think a lot of people have tried to skimp on, on silly things. Whereas I think when we talked about budgeting and saving, it's often the big things that matter. Um, and that's the, you know, if you buy the big car and overpay for it and you can't actually afford it with a big house, that's really what's going to come catch you as opposed to the cup of coffee. However, uh, I think when you're conscious about your spending, then you pick and choose if you want to have that cup of coffee, because now you understand one cup of coffee, it's not just $1. It's $1 you could have put away for the next 50, 60 years and compounded it. It becomes worth millions of dollars. And then you have a, really a different view of thinking about your money because you think about your money in terms of every 100 rand I got can generate me 10% return. It means it's 10 rand tomorrow. becomes 110 rand tomorrow. becomes 121 rand the next year, 132 and so on. And it doesn't sound like a match over maybe four or five years, but over, um, you know, 10, 20, 30 years, you're suddenly saying, do I really want to spend 100 Rand on that? Or would I prefer to have an extra million Rand in my bank account when I'm, when I'm age 70? You know, and, and then you're like, hold on a minute. You know, so, so small things do matter. And I think that concept that came out of the book on many million years is very important. Um, does it have to be your cup of coffee? If you want to enjoy your cup of coffee, enjoy it. No one's telling you not to. But be conscious on how you're spending your money so that you're making a choice and you're making a choice that you understand how impactful that choice is. I think when you respect compounding, you respect money, then your choices become better and more thought, thoughtful. 
Um, I think if you knew, let's now kind of step out of the money conversation and talk about choices when we, we make choices, um, when you can't to people or not can't to people. So when you speak nicely to people and you help a person out, okay, um, how impactful can that be? Well, Dad, I think good deeds can compound, but sometimes it depends on what deed it is. Like, if you give a beggar a few uh, a few bucks, it's going to help them, but it's not going to be this huge thing. But if you save someone's life, and if they have children, you've also saved their children and their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren, and it keeps on going, which compounds into very big. So, I mean, I, I really like your, your idea around children and grandchildren and compounding because I think just like money can compound you know you know we're not talking about money here we're talking about uh, we talk talk about mitzvot in Judaism or, or good deeds okay um have this powerful effect now you've obviously said saving someone's life I think everyone will agree is is a life changer but what you said which is I think very powerful it's not just a life saver for that person you've saved their whole generation as well. Um, anybody, any of their descendants are being saved and impacted in a positive way. Um, and then you said, okay, maybe, you know, giving a, a bigger, uh, you know, monetary sadaka, a bit of a donation, um, you know, might help them. Um, but how impactful really is that? And, you know, there's often that, that idea of, you know, give a man a fish, he eats for one day, give a man, teach a man how to fish, and then he eats, uh, forever, you know, you learn how to fish. So certainly, how you help people makes a difference. But even still, for that person, if you gave them that, that ten rand could have been the difference between them wanting to commit suicide, for all we know. So, and then you did save their life, or, or that was their meal. And if they hadn't eaten that meal, you know, then they wouldn't be alive today. So you sometimes don't always know the impact. And I think that's also an important thing. You know, we can't predict the future. We can't see how everything's interconnected. And therefore, um, even small deeds that you may seem insignificant could be very big um, for other people and significant for other people. So, Dad, I have an idea that I want to add in. So, say you give a bigger, like, one, two rand, whatever, two rand. To you, that's a small amount of money. It doesn't really matter to you. It does make an impact on you. But say another person gave the bigger two rand, then another, and then another. Now, a whole bunch of people are giving the bigger two rand. For each individual person, that two rand doesn't really matter much to them, but when everyone's giving the bigger two rand, it compounds and compounds and compounds, and then that bigger has a lot of money. Yeah, I really like the idea of, of call it compounding the benefit. So certainly, you know, small mitzvot add up, and if lots of people do small mitzvot, then you actually, that's how you change the world. Um, you don't change the world with these big ideas, generally, or, the, you know, these game changers. I think often it's, it's, it's individuals and people doing small little deeds. And when you get a lot of people to do small little deeds, then real change happens. Um, so it's a very impactful idea. And I think it comes, we can go back to our investing, that the power of being an automatic millionaire is not that I saved 100 Rand 10 years ago. So I saved 100 Rand you know, or 90 years ago. I saved 100 Rand 90 years ago. And then I saved another 100 Rand 89 years and 11 months ago and 89 years and 10 months ago and each of those 10 rands are compounding and compounding and compounding and they're adding together and because you've not only had time to allow it to compound each one but you've also had multiple inputs 
It allows you to run into the market at multiple different levels of highs and lows. But also over time, you're getting time benefit with multiple little bits that add up all together. And then again, you know, the idea of, well, when you start thinking about that power, then you start thinking about your savings. So when you start thinking about your budget and saying, I'm, I'm saving a, a thousand rand a month, you might say, maybe I can save one and a half thousand rand because it's worth it. And then you push yourself a little bit harder and you do get rid of the cup of coffee or you get rid of some other unnecessary thing that you feel is unnecessary for you from your budget and you push a little bit harder, that's going to have a huge impact in your life going forward. And I'll give you an example um, that we have from our family. So when mom and me started to work and we just got married, um, we didn't have big salaries. We had very small salaries, but we didn't have big expenses either. Now, what we did is we made a choice to save a little bit of my salary each month, just so we could know that we could live off my salary. And we actually saved all of mom's salary. We never spent a cent of it. So she obviously paid her taxes and whatever, and she maybe spent a little bit here and there on the odd thing. But 95% of the money that she earned while she was working, and she worked and she had a good job for a number of years while we worked before you were born, um, had the ability for us to save all of her salary. Now, think about saving your whole salary and not having spending it over one year. Now, do it over two years or three years or four years, it starts adding up to real wealth. And then we're just living off my salary. And the power of that was twofold. Um, one is when it came time to buy our, our first time because we were renting in a, in a small flat, we actually had quite a significant uh, deposit to put down on the house because mom had been saving her salary. And if you save your salary each year, it adds up. And then suddenly you wake up and you, you got maybe, you know, half a million rand. It's not a small amount of money. And and that's like, and then you can actually put a serious deposit down on a home. So that saved us a lot of money. One, we got to put down a deposit on the home, which meant less interest costs on mortgages, which meant we could then put, pay down the bond on the home quicker. So when we went to buy the next home, we actually had paid down the other home and didn't have a mortgage, which is an unbelievable place to be uh, when you in your you know mid thirties. Um, obviously, the home, the bigger home that we bought, because we was living in a very small home. Yes, again, then you got bigger expenses. However, um, it it really changed the trajectory for our life. On one hand, because we had that money that she had saved, that we could really get it to work and continue to work, and it's now sitting in our current home and and working for us and, and allowing us to pay back bonds and invest sooner. Okay, and the second thing it did was because we never relied on mom's salary, it allowed us to make a very important financial choice, which had actually long-term financial impact for us, is that when you were born, we mom decided she actually didn't want to work. She actually wanted to to raise you and then we'll just live off my salary. And since we were really just living off my salary, it meant that our life never changed. Our lifestyle didn't have to change. We did mom didn't have to stop working for us to, to be able to live our lifestyle, she actually was able to, to stop working and she did more ad hoc um, journalism because she's a journalist to, to write articles. And she still made some money coming in, but she could do it more on a flexible basis given her time. And, and we weren't living a big lifestyle because again, I didn't have a big salary, but because we never lived a big lifestyle and we had saved money, it made things a little bit simpler. And that compound effect of her not having to work meant that She's actually been able to to generate more wealth um, by not working than by working, which you know you're going to be more crazy. How do you generate wealth by not working? Well, by looking after you and your brothers and sisters, um, what happens is 
um, and being smart about the budget and controlling how we spend our money and having the energy to put all that time and focus in there. One, we, we're spending less, so we can actually save more and, and you're getting the amount of attention, the right amount of attention so that she's focusing on you. Uh, and then secondly, it means that I've been able to really um, skyrocket my career and, and be able to concentrate on the working without having to, you know, when you're two parents working, it's, it's much harder for everyone to balance. Whereas here, mom's doing a lot of the, the home, running the home, and she's working in the home, and I'm working at work. It frees up my time to work, so I can really excel there, and that's allowed me to get raises and and, 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 and new um, titles and, you know, grow my career, which is then have much more compound effect on our income, which and we then can still keep on saving. So... I know that's a complicated way of unpacking it, but small things have big impacts. Um, and, and making it simple and automatic is, is very powerful. Um, the one thing I want to say throughout this whole talk, we've been talking about what we're going to do with our savings. What we haven't even discussed is investment choices. We haven't said, should we invest in an index fund? Should we invest in a unit trust? Should we invest in equities? Should we invest in money offshore? Should we trade Bitcoin? Should we buy in gold? And the reason that we will discuss some of these ideas and, and the benefits and the, the, the differences between them over the next few podcasts. However, what I want to say to all the, invest, uh, all the listeners, you really don't have to have a complicated investment strategy um, with all these funny instruments to make a good return. You just buy the, the market. Is the, the power is, not in, in, is in the savings as opposed to the investing. If you save right and you keep on consistently saving and you just invest in anything with even a mediocre return, you're going to be okay. Um, but if you never save, well, then you're never going to get to, to invest. And then I suppose it takes us to the next conversation is you don't want to blow up because if you lose all your savings in one bad investment deal, well, then you have to start from scratch. Imagine you, you've been saving since you're 10 and at age 50, you decide to, to blow all your, your money on bitcoins or on some other investment and now you have to start saving from 50 years old again well then you're going to destroy a huge amount of wealth so step one save step two we'll figure out what to invest in it doesn't have to be too sexy but step before you do step two make sure we don't lose the savings from step one i think that's a good place to end this episode so thank you all to the listeners listening to episode 6 of the 4th and Son Finances podcast.